the first three, five years, we weren't even thinking of any other ventures. Oh man, that guy's doing commercial. Who cares? Oh, that guy, we were literally, we were wholesaling for like three to five years and stacking up all this cash. We became super liquid. And until, right, until we found the formula the hard way, like until we literally built it the right way, systemized it, automated and delegated the right way, then only then we had the capacity to look into other ventures. So unless your active income right now with whatever company you're running, whether it's a roofing, garage, real estate, Unless your active income almost feels like passive income at this point, you should not be looking anywhere else. You should focus on making that happen. Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the Home Service Millionaire, Tommy Mello. So I've got Carlos Reyes here. I'll tell you what, this is going to be a cool podcast because if you've ever heard of motivation, this guy is the definition of motivation. He's an expert at real estate business leadership. He puts on huge events. He owns a company. He's based here in Phoenix, all in entrepreneurs. He's the CEO in 2014 to now. A national cash offer. He's a CEO from 2014 to now. And then Help a Friend Foundation. He started that in uh, 2019. Carlos was smuggled twice into the U.S., and later became a U.S. citizen thanks to efforts of his hardworking mother. At age five, he created a sales business. In 2015, he decided to quit a 14-year corporate job to pursue the dream of building his own real estate investment company. He applied the lessons he learned from surviving the streets to create 27 companies in multiple industries, including medical, solar, software, educational, and real estate, with seven of his businesses grossing millions of dollars a year. Carlos and I go back probably six or seven years when he first got started. and. Let's see here. Carlos, you've hung out with Grant Cardone. I've been in your office several times. You're all in businesses. I have no idea how many people attend now, but it's massive. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, how you got started? And it's just a great story. I'm excited to be sharing it. So for sure, man. You know, it's small world, right? Like like you said, I met you six, seven years ago and You've done amazing, you know, for yourself and everything that you're building, which is a beautiful thing, you know, from your business to your books, to your podcast. Like one thing that I know about you is, man, you're definitely like a go-getter and an overachiever. Anything that you set your mind to, you amplify whatever that is to, you know, the thousand percent, you know? So thank you, man. Thank you for having me, brother. And I appreciate you always have, always will. And, um, you're in my own backyard, you know, you're in my own backyard. So I feel like we should probably start hanging out at least once every quarter, right? <laughs> you know, you know it doesn't crazy, hurt, right? it's funny because I went and visited my mom when I was 13 to 16. I visited my dad, but when I when my mom, I moved out when I was 16 to Arizona and it was easier to hang out with her when I go back for two weeks at a time because we hung out every day, all day. And sometimes you got to slow down and smell the roses because it's definitely not about the destination. It's about the ride. And sure. uh, we definitely should be enjoying each other's destinations because I have an amazing time watching you. Just the Thank stuff you, you put out there, 
you know, you, you recently uh, told your mom several years ago that you said, uh, mom, you don't have to work or whatever that was. Uh, yeah, and I think yeah. that's a noble thing. You know, it seems like you hit a fast level of success and I really appreciate everything you put out there and the stuff you're doing to help out the community. So your story is amazing. Thank you, bro. And, I, and I'm going to get into that, but you know what, bro? It's like, I'm very grateful. Like I know that not a lot of people come into any type of business and scale it and explode, you know, in, in the amount of time that we did. So I don't take that for granted. You know, I don't take that for granted. And I believe that what it took for me to actually do that is I, I had to really go all in, right? I had to put my my life on the line. You know, at one point I just got I just got sick and tired of just being sick and tired. And I was like, you know what? I mean, I don't care if I have to die like building this thing, but I'm I'm gonna do it. And I, I put it all, like I put my health on the line, I put my friendships and my hobbies and time with family on the line. So again, for me, man, like that's what really helped me scale. There was no reservations, right? I wasn't reserved like, you know what? I'm not going to sacrifice this, right? For me, it was like, this is all I have and this is what it's going to be. And I'm going to die trying, right? So that's what happened, brother. That, that was the difference between like me and a lot of other people that have been in like, you know, the industry for 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. And in three to five years, we became as successful or more successful than a lot of privately owned companies out there. And I feel like, I always had that in me and going back and circling back around to my story, right? My story starts, I'm born in Mexico. I'm, I'm not from this country. By the way, if you hear a baby in the background, it's my business partner, Sal. His baby's here visiting, so excuse me. But <laughs> it's all good. Hey, this is what happens when you own the building, right? And you are your own boss or whatever. You get to bring the, the babies and whoever, you know, whoever you want to bring. But uh, anyway... I was born in Mexico. I was, I was born into extreme, extreme poverty in a small town called Hermosillo, Sonora, which is a uh, northern part of Mexico. And that was too expensive for us to even live there. At the age of two, my mother was already having issues with my father. My father would come home and he would be, you know, and, and he has a Facebook. So if he sees this, all oh, well. And my, my mom, I told my mom, she's like, why do you always have to tell those stories about your father? And I was like, because I'm not going to hold anything back. You know, it's like I'm being full transparent in every aspect of my life. And that's what happens when you're out there. You're putting yourself out there. You got to be naked to the world, man. Right. So I said, I'm not going to stop telling my, the story about my father. One day my father came home and he was like drugged out, coked out, drunk. And, you know, he put me and my mother against a wall and started literally shooting at us. And my mom at that point was like, okay, this is it. I'm leaving. I am going to leave this man or else he's going to kill me and my, my sons at the time. So what we did was my mom ran away from this town to even a poorer town, an hour and a half south called Guaymas, Sonora. The only good thing about Guaymas is that there's a small resort called San Carlos Bay, about an hour, uh, sorry, 45 minutes away from where I grew up. So we grew up in this small town. We go into my, my grandmother's house who was you know, she was my second mother and uh, my grandfather had built a home on the hills, on the hills. And if you're wondering, right, because, you know, Tommy, you're from, from the U.S., which is the greatest country in, in the world. When you build a house in the hills, it's not what you're thinking. You know, it's not what you're thinking. It's like in Mexico, the roles are reversed. The worst of poverty. Poverty's in the hills. Poverty's in the hills and money's in the city, right? So he builds this, this thing. And like this house is about 350 square foot home. And it's made out of like four by fours, like straight wood, plywood, 
as the external covering, right? Not sheetrock, not nothing like that. Plywood, laminate roofing on the top, dirt floors, no bathroom. Like our bathroom, he built a back house. He built a back house in the back of that house where we use the restroom. By the way, I didn't have running water or electricity. I didn't have running water or electricity till around the sixth grade. We would buy literally like this, this truck would come around with these big containers, this like literally a truck coming up in the dirt roads, coming up to these hills with a big old container. And that's where we would get our water from to actually have enough water to like shower and wash clothes and all that. That was literally my, my childhood. And then one day my, my mom, she was like, you know what? There's no future here. There's no future here. So what she did was she migrated over to California and she worked the fields for two years. She was literally working the fields and she got amnesty. Like she got her immigration status through amnesty. And then she was like two years. So, so she unintentionally abandoned, you know, myself and my brother. And she's like, you know what? I, I'm obviously, you know, she was sending money every Friday and we didn't have a phone. So we would go to the neighbor's house to actually talk to her Fridays at around 4 p.m., 5 p.m. So two years later, she's like, okay, I'm coming. She comes back. She gets me. She gets my brother. And she tries to sneak us in through a border in it's called San Isidro, which is next to Tijuana, into California. She has my brother with her left hand. She has me with her right hand. She's, you know, I'm, I'm walking at this age. So she's carrying my brother. And we go through this like sewer canal. It's like a sewer system, like a canal. We get caught. We get thrown out. We go to my aunt's house in Tijuana, wait two days, 48 hours. We go back in. We make it to America. Escondido, California, a very small city in the San Diego County. I went there. I attended the third grade there. I learned English there. And I, I don't even know what it was because my mom doesn't know English to this day. And I was like, you know what? I have to learn English because I can't even communicate with anybody here at school. I'm in the third grade. I can't communicate with anybody. People are making fun of me because I can't talk English and blah, 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 blah. So I start out of, I take the own initiative as a little boy in the third grade to say, hey, I, I want to learn English. And they're like, okay, well, you got to stay after class. So I learned English after class and during that summer. And then the fourth grade came around and we were there. And then fast forward to the end of the fourth grade, we were living under a tree. We were homeless. And we had to go back to Mexico. We lasted about a year, year and a half max. We had to go back to Mexico. Why? Because my mother was a single mom and she didn't calculate the economics of California. She couldn't afford, it was very expensive. So we had to go back. And at this point, man, we are, man, we're discouraged. Imagine having to go through all that sacrifice, right? Of several years worth of a sacrifice to make it to the land of milk and honey. It only lasts about a year, year and a half. And now you're going back to that, you know, the shithole, the asshole, right? Like back to like slumdog millionaire status, like that movie. So we go back and we're like, man. And as soon as we get there, my mom's like, hey, don't worry about it. I got a plan. And I was like, okay. Well, she's like, I have some friends in Phoenix, Arizona. They said that it's much affordable there. It's much more affordable there. So what we're going to do, she says, you're going to work. At this point, I'm in the entering the fifth grade. You're going to bag groceries. And I'm going to clean the resorts. I'm going to clean the rooms at San Carlos. So there it is. Like I'm bagging groceries, fifth grade, sixth grade. I'm bagging groceries. You know, I got my apron, my little name identification thing, my little hat. And now I speak a little English and I'm bagging groceries near the resort. So there's a lot of Americans that are coming in 
and I'm the only Mexican that's speaking English and I'm bagging their groceries and I'm taking it out to their car and I'm asking for a tip, man. I was making about 10 to $15 a day. My mom was only making $30 a week. So we used her money to survive, food, clothes, whatever. And then we used my money to get her back into this country. We get her back into this country. Now I have to wait another year and a half because she has to you know, get everything situated. And she's working the fields again here. Now it's 120 degrees. And she's working the fields. She's working at one of those places. Um, what do you call those? Where they have like plants and trees. What do you call nursery homes? She's, oh, yeah. working, she's working at a nursery home. And she comes back and now she does it right. She brings me first. She brings her oldest son first. So she brings me to the border of Nogales, uh, Nogales, Sonora. And uh, she says, Hey, son, this man right here, I paid him money and he's going to take you to where I am across this, this fence. She paid this guy $25. He was a coyote. Who, for those of you who don't know what a coyote is, it's a human smuggler. $25. And she said, hey, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Because he's going to get you to me on the other side. So sure thing. When the dude told me to duck, when the dude told me to run, when the dude told me to jump through a hole, I did. I trusted this man. I got over. Uh, met with my mother at McDonald's in Nogales, Arizona. And then she pretty much contraband me up to Phoenix, Arizona. And she started my paperwork in 1997. I was around the seventh grade and she started my paperwork process, my immigration paperwork process. And then 15 years later, I became a citizen. 15 years later, I became a citizen in 2012. I started my entrepreneur journey in 2014. And I never looked back, man. I, I tapped back into you know that whole immigrant mentality, entrepreneur mentality, you know, survivor, you know what I mean? And I never looked back, man. I, I started building my real estate company in 2014 with no money, no credit, no license. I read a book. It was called Flip by Nick Ruiz, a $10 book. I read that book. I got hooked on the possibilities of becoming a real estate investor. I always wanted to become a real estate investor. Maybe it's because we never owned a home. You know, I don't know. Oh, I know why. When I was 11 or 12 years old, between like seventh and eighth grade summers, like I would work under the table and clean up, construct, like when they were like remodeling a house, I would have a wheelbarrow and I would be cleaning up after everybody and they would pay me cash. That's how I made enough money to buy my stuff for like middle school. So then I kind of saw these homes being rehabbed and I'm like, man, I, wow. You know, it's like that subconscious programming came during that age. And then, so when I became an adult, I'm like, man, I want to be a real estate investor. And that's how it started, man. I started with my first deal. It took me six months. It took me 2,400 bandit signs. For those of you that don't know what a bandit sign is, literally, I had no money. I was so broke that my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, that's right. I kept my day one around, right? <laughs> she would handwrite bandit signs with literally a marker. And I would put them out on Fridays from 11 p.m. to 2 in the morning Saturdays. I got my first deal and that first deal changed the rest of my life. I never looked back and I've done over a thousand deals now. Here we are. And then because of real estate, you know, I was able to fulfill my dream of retiring my mother back in 2017, retiring my wife, making her a full-time wife. And I'm just living the dream. And I, I took a lot of that money and I started building. I started either building or buying other companies across different sectors like medical, you know, software, solar, digital marketing. I mean, you name it. So that's where we are today, brother. And uh, it's been a hell of a ride. And like I said, man, I'm, I've had my ups and downs, but I'm grateful for every single lesson, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm blessed, bro. Thank you. I appreciate you opening up. And there's a lot of um, 
just hoping that she did that. And then, you know, I think a lot of us have stories, but that story is definitely like the grinders. There's a thing called grind. When you grind, you just know how to make money. Like you figure out a way to hustle. It's like, it's a fun term that I like to use because, you know, I was washing dishes two years before I was legally able to. Before that, I was shoveling snow. I remember this lady made us go buy milk. It was like snowing like crazy. It was a mile away buying milk for a toddler. She ended up giving us 10 bucks a piece. I mean, we were out there the full day. But, you know, I never had to come from what you came from. But I guarantee you, our childhood really made us who we are today. It gave Always us everything. And, and, you know, that's a scary thing, too, when you think about it. You've got how many kids? Two. An eight-year-old and a two-year-old, two baby girls. So you want to make sure to make them daddy's little girls and spoil them in a good way, but not let them ever lose that hustle, right? You, you got to make sure somehow to build that into them, right? Let me tell you this. I'm so proud of my eight-year-old. She's a third grader. She's going into the fourth grade. I got called twice uh, her school, which is a, it's a charter school. It's Mormons own it. It's called Legacy, Le- Legacy Traditional. So it's a very, very good school. They called me twice and I was wondering like, what's going on? You know, is it a grade? Is she getting a fight? And they're like, did you know that your daughter is selling toys here at school? And I was like, what is going on? Right. (laughs) I asked my wife and brother, I'm going to send you a video when we're done with this. Her mom started without me knowing I don't push sports on her. I don't push business on her. Her mom started buying these little like toys that you pop down and then the little, you know, those little spinners, little widget spinners, whatever. They started buying them at $2 and my daughter started flipping them for five. And she was making about 90 to $120 a week on these toys profit, profit every single week for like the last two months of the school year. And, uh, I got my hands on a video that like my wife has a friend that works at the school and she's like, Oh my God, look at Michaela. She's flipping toys. Right. (laughs) You know, even though we don't push anything on our children, they learn by demonstration. And I asked her, I'll take her to school every morning. And I said, Hey baby, why did you start selling toys? She's like, well, because I, I want to do business. And I was like, what do you mean you want to do business? Yeah, you do business. I want to do business. I was like, all right. You know, like, and I told her, I said, Hey baby, I want you to know that you'll never be in trouble for trying to sell some toys at school. Not from me. Like they can call your mom and dad and and, and we're going to back you up. And I'm very proud of you. I got teared eyed when I found out she was doing that, man, because you know what? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, you know? So I got very teared eyed because it's such a proud dad moment for me, man. And um, now the beautiful thing about money is money's freedom. You can afford so many things. And especially if you're trying to improve and elevate yourself as a person, brother, at one point I was spending 10 to $15,000 a month on coaching, on people coaching me, like different coaches, you know, like, you know, and, and that's how it is. Like, if you look at some of the most elite performers of any industry or sport, they have a board of advisors. They have coaches. They have a nutritionist. Michael Jordan had three coaches. Okay. And uh, Tim Grover was one of them, right? Tim Grover, relentless. So a lot of these guys, man, you know, LeBron, he probably spends what they say. He spends about a million dollars a year on his body, right? Which is like, you know, coaching, nutrition, and all kinds of stuff, right? Well, the same thing for me, I was spending 10 to 15 K right now. I'm down to two coaches, not three. So I'm a little under the 10 K mark now. Thank God. But I did that for a very long time. And I'll tell you what, one of my coaches last year started coaching my wife and my eight year old. So now they have coaches. You see what I'm saying? Right? So 
I'm trying to set up my next generation. I'm trying to program them the right way and set them up for success so that all this that we're doing, all this that we're building doesn't go in vain. It falls into the next generation and it falls into the right hands. Well, I hope that makes yeah. a lot of sense. To no, it's all, it all resonates. It all makes sense. You know, I think that there's a lot here that I want to talk about. Number one, I've bought a lot of companies. I've done a lot of stuff. I, I'm only involved in a couple of things right now. I think the biggest mistake I've ever made was to borrow from the thing that made me all the money instead of, uh, there's a great book by Gary Keller called The One Thing, and it's going all in or essentialism. Like most entrepreneurs, especially in the home service niche, what happens with us is what do we do? We make a lot of money, then we decide, I want to buy a bar. I want to get a second home. I want to be a real estate investor. Nothing wrong with real estate investing. But if you're a roofer or if you do concrete coatings or if you are you know, garage door plumbing, HVAC, electrical, you're making all this money and you put your sweat equity into it to make the money. And if you feed the beast, it keeps growing. But then... The way I look at it is you start these things and what happens is you don't get time to focus on the one thing. You started out going all in and then you diversified. Now you could go all in and the beast takes over and it can run on its own two feet. It's like building a snowball, but you got to get that snowball nice and big before it can start to make it on its own. You know, and I do think Absolutely. that if I could go back in time and give myself a really important piece of advice it would be to focus, focus, focus. We all have this shiny light district or shiny mm -hmm. light syndrome that we just literally go, well, Tommy's doing this, Tommy's doing this. Or someone looks at it and says, hey, that guy's investing. Maybe I could be an investor, do the uh, roofing business. What do you have to say about that? Because some people could pull it off. I mean, obviously Warren Buffett took like 50 years to pull off what he's got. I think it there's takes a, time. There's a couple of things. One, you're right. The first three, five years, we weren't even thinking of any other ventures. Oh man, that guy's doing commercial. Who cares? Oh, that guy, we were literally, we were wholesaling for like three to five years and stacking up all this cash. We became super liquid. And until, right, until we found the formula the hard way, like until we literally built it the right way, systemized it, automated and delegated the right way, then only then we had the capacity to look into other ventures. So unless your active income right now with whatever company you're running, whether it's a roofing, garage, real estate, unless your active income almost feels like passive income at this point, you should not be looking anywhere else. You should focus on making that happen. And I'll tell you what, the second thing is hiring the right people. If it wasn't for the leaders that we have in certain companies, we would not be able to do any of it. Nothing. We would continue to be what? Owner operators like a lot of people out there. If it wasn't for the leaders that we hire that believed in us, that are loyal to the cause, we would not be where we are today, man. So that's what it's going to take two things, right? It's like one, no shiny object syndrome. Make sure that you, before you even think about going into another venture, your active income from your current business almost feels like passive where you're like, oh man, I got all this time in my hand now because why? I systemized it, I automated it, I delegated. Two, hire the right people. So that's what works for us. And we've been able to replicate that same process and same formula 
into some of these other large companies that we have now that produce over seven figures. And now, because now we're in, by the way, I don't know if you, you know this, but brother, our, where we're headed, it's like we're in a technology industry now. We're in the software industry, we, you know, Prospect X, Alcatify, you know, all these companies we're coming out with, that's where we're headed. And now we're headed to the, we call it the road to 100 million, right? The road to 100 million, which is the next three years for us on the tech side and real estate side. So we would not be able to do all these other things if we didn't learn from that one thing, which is back to referencing of that book, which I have that book and I need to read it. Now that you mentioned it, if you suggest it, I'll read it. You know, I'll give you some good books. You got to stop in and see me or I'll come and see you. I, I really think that, and I want to spend some time here right now because it's easy to say hire right. Right now, there's just a shortage of the abundance of great employees. But what I would say is, you know, I had an epiphany last night. I called one of my head trainers. Her name's Elisa. And I said, we really need to identify the perfect avatar. And I can tell you, you take some of my top five guys, they really make a lot of great eye contact, body language, tonality. They know how to be very, very um, great when they explain with adjectives. They don't just say, hey, you need rollers. They say machine press, lifetime warranted rollers. They've got these attributes about them. It. I'm learning more to recognize what an A player looks like. And I believe there needs to be a process. And then we've got a whole training school. Where we could get 70 guys training a month. And we're in 17 states now. I want to do the largest home service roll-up that's ever been done in the history of all home services. That one thing you're focusing on. Well, the one thing, and then, you know, obviously, it's residential retrofit garage doors. We do a little bit of new construction, but we're also looking at, and this is completely different departments, but how cool would it be to buy a garage door company, be able to do floor coatings and garage door storage to mm -hmm. a certain extent? But I'll tell you this. I've got a lot of secrets. I, you know what? Look, let me just show you this. These are just the recent things that came in the mail this week about recruiting. So you've got full stack recruiter. You've got the top build of the life of a recruiter. You've got the robot proof recruiter. You've got why I can't hire good people, lessons to hire better. You've got wow. leadership recruiting. You've got recruiting your way to six figures, higher rate, higher profits. I go all in when I want. I go all in. But I'm learning all about to become the best at recruiting. You said hire right. And I couldn't agree with you. That's the most important thing. Like people say, I wish I had 10 of me. I don't wish I had 10 of me. I'd have 10 competitors. But if I got the, see, I wouldn't want you either. And here's why, because you'd be soon a competitor. But the, still, I, I embrace that. I, I know some of my guys, but at the same time, I look at it like a top producer for me in general, bring well over a million dollars a year. That's mm -hmm. just the garage door service and sales. A bottom producer will bring about 250000 That's a $750,000 spread. That's four times the output. Absolutely. So I want to hear your perspective and how you do it. How do you find them? How do you coach them? How do you bring them up? I want to hear everything about how to hire right and get the best people and recruiting. Well, first and foremost, man, we've made a lot of hiring mistakes. That, that's the first thing. Like We've had to kiss a lot of frogs to find the right, you know, the princess, right? The prince. And we used to try to hire entrepreneurs, just like you just said. I love to hire intrapreneurs now. Our questions, like our interview questions have become so specific and so direct where we're not leaving anything up to chance, right? We're, we're asking like, what would make you an asset with this company? Where do you see yourself with this company in the next 12 months? Where do you see, like we are really 
emphasizing the fact that, hey, we're hiring you to become an asset of this company. We've made that mistake, especially in the real estate side, where people would come, they get the training, they get a few deals, blah, blah, and then they go do their own thing, right? Screw the non-compete and the, you know, the, like, no. So the other thing that really has helped me out is, you know, I spent a lot of time in like the corporate structure, right? And at one point, like I was a upper class management, like regional management hiring. I remember, brother, at one point I would do about a hundred interviews a week. So a lot of that stuff does come with experience. Now I've never read a book about recruiting, but if you do it enough times, you don't have to, you get what I'm saying? But it helps for sure. It helps. So you're right. There's going to come a time where you identify that perfect avatar and you just know the way that they're answering their personality test, the way that they're answering their interview questions, their background, where they come from, the lifestyle they live, right? Like all that stuff goes into effect. There's a good book called Rocket Fuel. And I talk a lot about books. I've heard of it. You've got a visionary and then you've got an integrator. Um, Walt Disney would have never had anything without his brother, Roy. It would have never happened. Walt Disney, you would have never had Disney World, Disneyland, none of it. And, you know, I've met you plenty of times. And you've, I have always, you've always got sale and sales got you. And I think I got sale. I'd love to hear that relationship and how you guys met and how you guys. Man, brother, I can tell you this, man, like I'm extremely blessed and very, very rare in this lifetime. Do you just meet, you know, the yin to your yang, right? You know, Sal's clearly a left brain thinker. I'm a right brain thinker. I am everything. You know, I'm, I'm intuitive. I'm social. You know, I love being around people, blah, blah. And I'm not saying Sal doesn't, but Sal's like, he's like a natural engineer by trade, man. Like this guy, here, I'll give you an example. The softwares that we've built over the past three years, Sal built them on the back end. He, he's had 40, 50. 60 developers under him. What is it? A, a scrub master? I don't even know what you call it. He has, Sal has his own business within the business. You know what I mean? We just like, we just fund it and then I push it and I advertise it and promote it. Sal is everything that I needed specifically at, at that time in my life. And I'm everything that he needed. I was like, I brought a dimension to him and he brought a dimension to me. And then we just became complete. So with that being said, none of it would exist without him running that back in, man, for sure. You know, it's funny. Um, there's a company called Service Titan that we use as our CRM, and there's a guy named Vahe, and there's a guy named Ara who founded it together. And uh, Vahe's dad used to have a small HVAC shop, and and Vahe's, they're both developers. They're both outgoing. They both know how to give public speeches, but there's definitely a similar dynamic to you guys. And I just kind of laugh because the company's worth $8.2 billion right now. Jesus. That's oh beautiful. yeah, it's crazy the valuations you get with software. I don't software, know. If yes, I just not sure if software could could still get the evaluations long term because the one thing you have with the software is the network effect. But it's hard to get the billing because they're burning so much cash. They're they're, they're going off so much future value. But you know, we'll see. I love the idea of software. I love the idea of proprietary things that no one else has. I love them because especially if they make you grow faster, increase the average ticket size, higher conversion rate. All those things matter. I'm curious to see what are some secrets to, to profitable businesses that can be applied to any industry. So you said hiring, obviously, you definitely found an integrator and you guys found each other. 
What other things can you say that really are the common denominators of what makes true success? You know, in our business, and I think this applies to any business, it's like delayed gratification and having that vision aligned. Like if you have a business partner, like I do, the vision just has to align. You can't have one guy that's like, no, nah, man, I, I'm not going to be dumping back, you know, 90% of my money or my profits back into this thing. And then the other guy, like, yeah, no, you have to be equally vested monetarily for sure. And you have to be equally vested with like time and energy and effort. Because at one point, you know, you're going to resent that other person that's like not equally vested in some way. Okay. Now, Across all boards, like I said, the formula that we've developed is, is pretty much like rinse and repeat almost with, with any, like with our solar company, with our medical company, with our uh, digital marketing agency. It's the same thing over and over and over. And this could be applied to any business. It's like, okay, vision, right? You build it. You put the proper systems and processes. Like if anybody out there thinks that they're going to grow a seven-figure operation, without systems and processes. And I don't want people to think like systems and processes. Oh, you mean like, like technology? No, 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 not just technology. Listen, a system can be something as simple as, hey, we just got this new property. Jaden, who's my asset director, Jaden, get our crews there. Hey, that's a system. It's a process. So that needs to happen to like, I don't care what industry you're in. You gotta have systems and processes. And then you got to be able to delegate the right responsibilities, put the right people in the right seats. I never read Rocket Fuel, but I read Traction and I heard it's very similar. Yeah. Right? You got to put people in, yeah. yeah, you got to put people in the right seats so they can what? So they can actually maximize on their potential and that becomes a huge asset to the overall advancement of the company. So that could apply, that could be again, these small processes or this small formula you can use this to grow any company, any company. I don't care what you're in because that's the same formula that we've used to grow every other company. That's worth a damn for sure. You know, when you talk about systems, there's really three reasons systems fail. There's no system at all. It's the wrong system or the system is not being followed. And you find all three of those things. Boom. But typically the deal is when you make a system, I think about this, there's what's called virtual assistance. There's a great book by uh, Tim uh, Ferriss called the four hour work week. Mm. And he explains this concept of a virtual assistant back before anybody knew what they were. And what he explains is you can't leave it up to chance. The system must be so detailed. It's like saying this, it's like me calling China right now. Hey there, Mr. Shanghai, I need you to make uh, golf balls. Did they bring back bowling balls? And I'd be like, no, I said golf balls. And they'd be like, you didn't give me the dimensions. You didn't give me exactly the expectations, how you wanted to build, what materials you wanted. So the deeper the processes in training and role-playing and hiring, you know, there's Marcus Lamone. He says, people process product. You've heard of that guy, right? Mm, never. Marcus Lamone, he's on, it's called the profit is what it's called. People process product. He goes, what's the most important? And I would say the process because the process dictates the people and the product. And the product. So the process is everything. Process, system, standard operating procedures, whatever you want to call it. Yep. And I think you're absolutely right. When I see stuff going wrong in the business, and what's nice about my seat now, I think we're, we just, today we passed 370 employees. I think the secret is, 
is that I'm able to see the little holes. Mm -hmm. Why does this keep happening? Let's work on the process. And what's nice about working on the business versus in it, you get to really work on processes and become better and better. And it's the unfair advantage of when you can stop working in the truck and for you going out and doing the negotiations and kind of watching the flips and making sure that the tile guy is doing what he needs to do. I'm sure you were there one day and you said, dude, you're like, this keeps happening. I keep getting the tile guy missing his appointment. And then I got the concrete not getting done right. And then, and so you built a process to make sure that didn't happen. And I'll tell you something that when, when you walk in your office, or at least when you used to before COVID is you had a little dong thing, a little big, we still have it. We still have a big old, it's a gong. That's uh, anytime someone gets a deal, we hit that bad boy. And you know, there's, there's a certain energy in the office and it's sales. My question is, you got a lot of energy. I'm sure you give a lot of cash. You spin the wheel. The people win stuff. How do you keep the fire? How do you keep the enthusiasm? How do you keep the passion and the culture? That's the thing, right? Like people out there don't really, maybe they're not aware, but it starts and it ends with whoever the leader of that company is. That's it. Like it starts and it ends with you. You know, your team builders, your incentives, your bonuses, your the gonging and the celebrations of birthdays and it, like the family feel. And don't get me wrong, at some point, I'm sure, especially like with your, you know, we don't have 370 employees. You know, we're, we're definitely over 100, but we're not at 370 employees. So at some point, you somehow, some way start to lose a little bit of that grip, right? In some way, because you, you can't be everywhere at all times. But that's why you have certain systems and processes so you can have your tentacles in as much as you can where you can. And that's how we keep our culture going is, you know, I have good leaders. They're a reflection and extent. They're an extension of me, right? So they're having their sales huddles and they're celebrating their victories. And again, it just rolls downhill. And that's what people need to understand out there that if you don't have culture in your business, if you don't have people looking at each other, like family and, you know, the camaraderie, like, Again, you're not going to do as well as other companies that do. I mean, look at Google, for God's sakes. Look at Facebook. That's no accident that they have like these offices with like a playground and, you know, free food and got all kinds of whatever. Man, like that's what it takes. If you look at any Fortune 500 company, they take care of their people. And when I say they take care of the people, I don't just mean financially. I mean, like, spiritually and like as far as creating that family atmosphere and that's what's really helped us out here you know the deal is is money is never the most important thing feeling appreciated is a huge one it's just knowing that i've got it's probably the number one thing yeah it's just knowing that i'm not just a number and it's it's not easy because as a leader here's the thing i explained this pretty good earlier is there's a lot of people here when we were 20 people that man it was all day every day we were like we were comrades, right? We do everything together. And here's the thing, Carlos, you have uh, you have two girls, different ages. I guarantee you the eight-year-old sometimes doesn't get as much daddy time as she did four or five years ago. And oh, she's not yeah. upset about it. You you do a good job. But if you had 20 more babies, boys or 370, and girls, you know what? And I'm telling you what would happen is you want to give as much quality time as possible, but that's impossible but hopefully you and your wife could manage and your, your mom would get involved and then the older sister would get involved and then the older brother. And, but it's not possible. It's not reasonable. It's not real. That's unrealistic expectations. So I think 
you've got to figure out a way to show the love and create an ecosystem that feeds on itself, not just you. Because if it's all Carlos giving kisses and giving hugs, it's unsustainable. No, it's not. But again, that's why you want to have leaders and people that are, they're an extension of you. Correct. Because what you can reach or those you can reach, they could. You could reach who you could reach and then they could reach. Think about it, right? Like if you, you probably have a supervisor in place somewhere. I don't know what, what state, but there's probably a guy that you reach or you talk to every now and then. And, and he has a hundred people under him or 50, whatever. You know what I mean? I believe there's no person that should have more than five or six direct reports because okay. that you fail. So you got to create an ecosystem that allows you to not manage more than that many people or it all falls apart. So let me ask you this though. The leaders in your organization right now, you have some type of contact with them, right? Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, there's a financial quick check on Fridays with the six of us. Um, there you go. So there's what's called an org chart and a depth chart. The mm-hmm. orange chart leads up and it's who speaks to who speaks to who speaks to who speaks to who. And it does come up to me, but directly underneath me is Adam. And then there's a few people that report up to Adam and there's more that report up to them. But literally, I'm focused on, I'm a 10 out of 10 visionary, a zero out of 10 integrator. I literally yeah. don't care if I'm not the integrator. I don't care that I'm weak yeah. in a lot of things. I don't give it two flying shits if I suck at stuff. I'm going to hire around my weaknesses and want to focus on my strengths. And one of the biggest strengths I've seen that you you really have done, and this is really, this hits home, this is a selfish question right around the podcast, but you've created a great, you know, all in is a brand and you've got a huge seminar you guys put out and you guys, I'm building something similar in the garage door industry in November. And, you know, I've got a really good strategy to help a lot of people out. First of all, you got to have something that that is so great that people get part of and that they create more success, more happiness. A hundred percent. But I'm just curious when you first started to put together a networking group and it's best practices and you got speakers and tell me a little bit about what does it take to create that? And I'm definitely focused on garage doors only. It's not going to be a jack of all trades. I think I could help a lot of other home service industries out. I do. I think we're doing amazing. I, I think you'll do extremely well. And let me, let me tell you something that I witnessed two months ago here. One of my buddies, he's in the, uh, insurance kind of financial services, you know, like uh, life insurance. Yep. Brother, some dude threw a seminar here at a church up north, by the way, because at the, you know, two months ago, it wasn't as what it is now where things are more open, right? It was two, three months ago. This guy flew in from Chicago. I'm like, John, what are you, you know, his name is Jonathan uh, Avila. I'm like, what are you doing here, man? And he's like, oh, I'm here for the event. You know, I'm like, what event? I think it's a life insurance event. Oh, really? At the church? I'm like, how many people are there? There's over 3,000 people here. There was over 3,000 people from the life insurance business. So yeah, you're definitely knocking on the right door when I, you know, when you're like, I'm going to build something around garage. Man, there is hundreds of thousands of people that operate within that realm, you know? Yeah. Easy. So if you do what you got to do, you're going to be able to monopolize that and then create a huge brand around that. So for us, brother, it starts with this, right? I'll give you this. It's our core values. This is our core values right here. God, family, hustle. Like your core values is what sets your brand apart. And it's the message that you kind of send out. And and you and I both know that a brand isn't what you think it is, right? A brand is what? 
what they think it is. So you're gonna have to have some core values for the movement, you know, for the, the movement you, you're gonna create here with, with the garage seminars. You gotta have some core values. You know what? I'll tell you when things got really crazy. Things got really crazy when we started helping a bunch of people, like your intention, brother. We started helping a bunch of people create seven-figure operations throughout the entire country. And I want you to know this, man. Like Sal and I, like we're not known for flipping a thousand plus properties, whether it was wholesale or or fix and flip. We're not known for that. We're known for for this, for helping a bunch of people. And that right there alone, man, is what really changed the game for us. And I think you're headed in the right direction, brother. Well, I've got two core things in my movement when I thought about this seminar, if you will. There's two big things I'm planning. Number one, I do believe that you should have a business that works when you don't. I do believe that you don't need to be the only guy in the truck. I do believe that you can do what you want, when you want, with who you want, and live a life of abundance. Like you mean real financial freedom, right? <laughs> real financial freedom. Yeah. And that means having key performance indicators, standard operating procedures that work when you don't work. Absolutely. So there's that avenue. And then, and you know, I, this is the beginning. We're getting everything. We got a date picked out. We're getting the, the place picked out this, this month. Where are you throwing this event at? In Phoenix. It'll be the fourth and fifth that we're going to do a big walkthrough of A1. We're going to probably have, you know, three to 500 people. Do, I do me a favor. If you need a production team, right? I can put that together for you. You'll probably save tens of thousands of dollars. If you ask anybody that attended Freedom two weeks ago or three weeks ago, it was the seventh. Our event was absolutely massive. There was 750 something plus people. And the only reason there was 750 some people because they wouldn't let us have more than 700 people. We wanted a thousand there. We're going to have a thousand in September for sure. But I'll be at your September one. Okay. If you ask anybody that attended that event or any of the other real estate guys that like, you know, either they spoke there or they just stopped by there, it kind of became the Grammys of like real estate. It was insane, right? The production team that was there is the same production team that could put it all together for you. Because guess what? Over the past three years, we have purchased over $150,000, $160,000 worth of production equipment, lights, speakers. I mean, you name it. We have yeah. it, right? So that's where you'll save a bunch of money and you'll still get high quality production. So keep me in mind for that. I will. Well, the, you know, the, this is why I'm coming to you and I want to take you out to, to lunch or dinner. But the second piece of it is there's a great book called Built to Sell. Built and to Sell. The, the key ingredient there is he, he's coming on the podcast in about a, six weeks, I think. And the key ingredient is you think you made 150 grand, but your business made zero. So your business is worth zero. See, I take EBITDA, which is earnings with interest appreciation, you know, I can go deep into that, but it's basically profit plus add backs and they don't have any. So their business is literally worth zero. So it's about to give the financial literacy to a bunch of people in the industry and understand, you know, here's the big thing, Carlos is I hate it when people say I charge a lot because the fact is I drive new trucks. Every one of my employees has PTO. Every one of my employees has a new van. We're very dependable. I'm not the cheapest. I'm by no means the more ex- most expensive. I got the best value by far. You, you're safe. Listen, your daughters, background check, drug tested. There, there's no crazy pedophiles walking into the garages of A1 garage sure. so, so it's important to me to have this. But, you know, when they say that, I say this. How many of you guys, first of all, who charges what? And they say, you know, you charge a lot. And I say, well, do your people have insurance? 
Do you have wrapped vehicles? Do you do anything? Do you ever buy lunch for your employees? Do you have an office? Do you have a training center? Do you have a recruiter? And they say, hell no, who could afford that? And I say, so you're basically screwing your family and your internal customers. You're literally taking advantage of your family and your employees. But you're taking, you think you're giving your customer a great deal. And I'm like, you know, the, the difference is between you and I. And I told a lot of businesses is I just, I truly believe that we're doing the right thing by charging what we charge to be able to make a profit. And I owe that to the company to make a profit because we're going to be around for a long time. Absolutely. Pay myself a decent wage and make sure every other employee here is respected and making a, enough pay to be able to do what they want with their families to not have to live from paycheck to paycheck. But here's the deal. You and I both know is I know guys that make 200 grand to live paycheck to paycheck. So part of me wants to train these people that we've got Dave Ramsey helping out, giving these people. That's, crazy. That's amazing. But, you know, Carlos, I, I think that your story, everything you guys have built, you know, we'll, we'll go a few minutes over if you got a few minutes, but uh, yeah, I'm not in a rush, brother. I think you've put something pretty amazing together. I think you've always hustled. And I like that. That's one of your core values. God, family, family hustle. hustle. Yes, sir. <laughs> God, family hustle. You know, what's exciting. What's exciting is where will you be in 12 months? Where will I be in 12 months? That's what's really fucking exciting. You know what I mean? I want you to know, Tommy, that I don't know if you know this, but I do respect you a lot. You know that, right? There's been a lot of times, man. There's been a lot of times where I see your damn billboard. I'm like, should I send them a picture? You know what? Nah, I, I'm just going to see another one here a mile down. So forget it. Right. <laughs> but it's so cool to like see you, you know, on the side of the van like this or on the billboard. Like, it's like, I, I respect your core values. I respect where your mind is. I respect where you're headed. And if you're not excited, man, like I know you're excited, but be excited for what's to come. Right. I, back to the question is like, when did you start a one? You know, it's been a whirlwind, man. I was seven and it took me seven years before I got my sale, sale, set your sale. I took me, and by the way, it was almost like a boat sale because it actually, I caught wind in 2014, basically. And then it made things a lot easier because I had a guy around, okay, around the same time we started. So seven years of, of just really tough business. And then yeah. 2014 was when everything you started, started putting it together. Better. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. So, okay. Uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So about seven years. Can you imagine like, bro, let's be honest here. Like you've probably already doing as much or more as some of these garage companies that have been around for decades. Well, we're pacing hopefully to do a hundred million this year. So if everything goes right, I think we'll have, you know, part of a roll up is there's a win-win situation. Who are you looking up to in, in the garage industry? Unfortunately, Who do you got your eyes on? Who do you got your eyes on? I don't have my garage doors in the garage. You know what really helped me? Sit no, down? your eyes. Who do you got your eyes like? No, no. In, a, in a healthy competition, competitive. No, no, no. What happens is you got to surround yourself with people that are 10 times better. Grant Cardone talks about that. Is I had to go to HVAC and plumbing to find somebody to look up to. So what did I do with my board of directors? I got Ken Goodrich from the ghetto. Whatever. You know, he's a mentor. And I, I've got mentors all over the place. So I think it's the most important thing is to build mentorships. And just a good, stable foundation. I got my buddy in Florida. I got a guy named Tom that helps support me. And they're basically, it's like a board. They, they literally yeah, yeah, help me put yeah. stuff together. So, yeah. and I go visit shops. I go to 100 million shops, 200 million shops. Now I'm going to bigger ones. I'm going, 
who's the next best thing? You know what the next best thing is? Roofing. Roofing. So there's a guy named Anthony DeMonico, and he's here in, in Scottsdale, and he had 12,000 people at his last event. I've heard of that guy. Oh, he's, dude, me and him did a speakeasy at his little bar. It was so much fun. Yeah, I've, I've heard of this guy. This is, Smart, like, dude. Yeah. But really, what it is, is you, you know, I always tell people, you want to move up to the next level, go hang out with the people that you want to become. And it doesn't need to be in your niche necessarily. I'm not saying there's not any great grass. Absolutely not. You're right. Because you know what's funny? I remember this clearly, July of 2019. And I've been around pretty amazing people, you know, nine figure earners, you know, like Joe Marion, Andy Frisella, all these guys, right? Grant Cardone came to our office July of 2019. And he said something that really stuck with me. He said, my life started to change to change when I stopped taking advice from millionaires. Millionaires. He said that. And brother, I'm telling you, the one thing, man, that opened up my eyes when Grant Cardone was, you know, when we had that podcast back in 2019, he doesn't play small. He doesn't play small. Brother, that's a, like a skill set, right? Like, why play small, man? Like, this dude was shot for the roof. Like, this guy went from, like, car salesman to, like, sales trainer to, like, you know, well, he, was, he was older than you and I when he hit success. But the fact is, there needs to be what's called risk tolerance. Okay. Yeah. And that, that's what I want to make sure people understand is people don't want what me and you want. You see, if I get a hundred grads through companies, this is beautiful. You're going to love this because the, the math is just, it's almost better than printing money or selling drugs because <laughs> you take a $300,000 profit company, you take a hundred of them. So just 300 K. I'm telling you these things, you can find them in every corner. I hate to say it. 300K, you turn them into a million. You buy 100 of them. That's a $2 billion company. If I help out 100 companies and we can partner up. Now, there's a certain thing called multiple of EBITDA. And what's beautiful about that is the bigger, more structured, more ecosystem, more depth charts you have, the more SOPs, the better software. All of a sudden, you fetch a higher, higher, higher multiple. So what happens is you're stronger together. So the plan behind everything is not only to help people, but become lots and lots of millionaires, and we all win. But this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So yes, part of me says, part of me is selfish in a way that I want to bring my mom, my sister, my niece, and my nephews. They're not in the garage door business, but I want to take all of them with me. And that means that I need to make some money in the process because I've got best friends. I've got the people I love. And then there's also all these other owners, and then there's all these employees I need to take. So there needs yeah. to be a big, big, big thing we do but it literally is not coming out of greed or, or just Tommy wants to be king of the world. It's just there's an opportunity. And when you said Grant Cardona, I read the book 10 times years ago. And so I wrote down on the wall, I used to think 100 million. And I remember writing down a billion. And all I did was write down, well, if I could get each tech does about a half a million. So I need 2,000 technicians. So 2,000 technicians in a five-year, I did a four-year period and I drew it out. And I said, well, I'm going to need recruiters. I'm going to need a training center. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need a manual for everything. And I, you know, oh. I had definitely consultants and all of a sudden the dream became a vision became uh, yeah. a paper, a playbook. Yeah. Yeah. It started to manifest itself. It does. It manifests and it's self-belief and self-disbelief. You'd be surprised at how powerful that is. Well, brother, I definitely want to be more in, in touch with you, uh, you know, and God willing, we can, hang out sometime this quarter, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's this yeah. month, by the way. That's this month. So let me ask you some closing questions. Then I'm yes, going to give you a few minutes. Number one, you're very, very good at what you do. If anybody wants to learn about investing in real estate, 
Carlos, you get invited to these events to speak. Yeah. That very, very few people. There's uh, Damon from all the sharks and everybody, like uh, celebrities. Like you're one of probably, I don't know anybody other than you that gets invited to these things to speak. So you're right up there with Tony Robbins and these people. So those are the guys. Those are my North stars, by the way, Tony Robbins and my land, Andy Frisella. Those are my North stars. Right. And again, I've, I've gotten to meet a few of those people and uh, they're amazing, amazing people, man. Amazing people. People would be surprised. Like these nine figure guys are, they shit just like you and I do. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they sleep just like you and I do. They, they do all this. They work out just like you and I do. So again, it's about, for me, brothers, like you got to have that North star. You got to have that North star and that North star should have nothing to do with greed. Just like you just said, and with referencing back to what you got going on, you know, it should be about elevating everybody around you. And one thing that I've realized over these past years is like the more people that I help like reach their goals, they're pushing me to reach my North stars. You know what I mean? So the circle. Oh man. Have you ever read the book, the go-giver? I'm sure you have the go-giver. Yeah, I've got, the go-giver is an amazing book. If you haven't read it, no. the go-giver who turned me out of that Brandon, uh, Brandon Simmons. Yeah. Brandon Simmons had a go-giver group and I read yeah, it. The mastermind read book. It. Yeah, no, it's, it's an, yeah. Go-giver is just about how do you get it's, it? It's true. It's true. You know, I'm going to bring that up in a, a book club here, The Go-Giver. I didn't Absolutely. It's been a while since I've read it. So uh, how do people get a hold of you? They want to talk to you. They want to meet you. They want to come to one of your events. What's the best way to reach out? For Carlo? sure. I have, first and foremost, I have a real estate uh, scaling event. This isn't Freedom. Freedom is like, I'm planning on bringing like either Ed Milet or Annie Frisella on the next Freedom. It's going to be insane. Like I'm going to really try to like make it happen, right? But I'd have a, a very small, like 200 people limited. It's a real estate scaling event called Momentum. So attend momentum.com. So if anybody that's out there that's already doing some deals and they're like, you know what? I'm tired of being an owner operator. I actually want to start building a business. That's definitely the business for you. But regardless, I'm here to serve just about anybody. Again, bro, you know, because of where I come from and things that I've been through, like I will never stop being a person. And that's one thing that I'll never stop being. And if people reach out to me on Instagram, Carlos Reyes, uh, Instagram, Carlos Reyes, I will always do my absolute best to get back. It may not be the first hour, maybe even the first 24 hours, but guess what? When I get back to you, I'm going to come full circle. I'm going to serve you whatever question you had. I'm not just going to broadly answer it or send you to some website. No, I'm going to give you specifics. And I've been doing that for a very long time and I don't plan on stopping. You know, if you guys listening out there, you know, I always open up my building. We've had at least 200 tours. Maybe we could go check out Carlos's too. When, when, uh, Absolutely. Where are you at again? What are your cross streets? I'm on 5th Street and Bethany Home. I had a house over at 7th and Bethany. Kind yeah, it's a Jewish community and, right, Jewish community. I, yeah. We bought this building back in 2019. It's a 10,000 square foot uh, commercial building, which it saved me a few hundred thousand in taxes this year. Thank God. <laughs> So what are the three books you'd recommend? We talked about a lot of books. Is there any? Absolutely. Just give me three. The Bible, I'm sure, is one of them, but not the Bible. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you three three books that I, I really, really enjoyed, and they were life-changing. The first book, I'm, I'm very biased to this book because this was the first legitimate book I ever read in my life. It was called The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harbecker. That was a huge, huge book for me. That book changed everything. It just confirmed a lot of the things that I was already doing and brought them to awareness. The second book 
for any business owner out there is Traction by Gino Wakeman, of course. Traction is one of my favorite all-time business books. And third, on the spiritual side, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Everybody talks about Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Outwitting the Devil and get the audible version where you can actually hear the interview take place between Napoleon Hill and the devil. Yeah, they're all good books. I don't know if I, I got the secret to the millionaire mindset, but or the mind. But. Secret to the millionaire mind by T. R. Becker, brother. That is, uh, you're probably well beyond that. But guess what? I strongly recommend that book. It's one of those books that I've read probably ten times. You know, it's kind of funny because Gino Wickman uh, came on. Uh, yeah, uh, Entrepreneur Operating System. Uh, Gino Wickman. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Gino came on the podcast. We had a great talk, and he was just moving beyond the EOS. Really smart dude. And Mark Winters from Rocket Fuel. Last thing I ask, Carlos, I think you're an amazing guy. I'll tell you that. I think the fact is that story you shared with us, you figured out a way, you and your mom figured out a way, and your brother, and I don't know, you said your dad's still in the picture, so. No, no, he's not. He just has a Facebook, and (laughs) he he watches my stuff every now and then. Yeah. He was was MIA for, uh, I don't know, 19 years or something, so. But again, I don't have no, no resentment against him. You know, whenever have that father and son relationship, like a lot of people have. And I, I wish the father and son relationship to a lot of people out there. I know you, you've had it in your life, you know, and I'm glad to see that's, that's actually working out. Yeah, my dad's doing a lot better. It's nice. I know, bro. Yeah. I know that was, that was a blessing to see that, man. I, I saw that on Facebook, man. And, uh, I was happy to see the good news a few days later. Thank God. You know, I think there was, I said, pray there was 650 people that came on and said praying and there was likes. And I was like. It's it's pretty big deal, and he's beyond. Bro, that's such a blessing, bro. That's oh, crazy, <laughs> like, right? When you think like that, there's like that the world's is in a very bad spot, and you know with everything that's going on, and it's you know you run into some turbulence and you know some disaster, and and you ask for a simple good energy, you know, a good, a good prayer, and you got 650 people that you know of, right? Probably a thousand plus people. That's a good sign, man. That's a good sign for you and where you are in your life. You know what the crazy thing was, and I'll, I'll get you going here, but the crazy thing for me is uh, I'm taking him to the hospital. And I mean, the lady goes to me, if you wouldn't have brought him here yesterday, the next day he would have died. And, and his oxygen level hit all time low. And he's like, you know, the whole family's preparing. They're coming out to town and they're seeing him and they're saying goodbye, kind of. And I'm like, I wouldn't allow that to even enter my mind. But he healed a lot and he had this oxygen tank and, and <laughs> we went to a movie and he had his oxygen tank and, and uh, they said, you're going to be on oxygen forever. Just know that. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Like he's healthy and that's what COVID did. It really messed with a lot of people, but yeah, today he pulls up and he gets out of the car and I was like, where's your oxygen tank? He goes, Oh, God healed me. He goes, I don't need it anymore. And he's walking and talking, and yeah, he's still a little slower than he was before COVID. But Brother, it's just, that's crazy. It's here, the, you know, the power of prayer, God, and just the mind. The yeah, is, Carlos, I'm having fun here, so I want to tell you guys just one thing: is there's this saying in the church, as one day there's this man, and he's got he's got a three level house, okay, and there's a flood, and the boat comes, actually a car comes. I know uh, the story. Paramedics. And the paramedics comes and they say, we got to get you out of here. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, my God will save me. Yeah. And the flood keeps happening. So he goes upstairs and, and all of a sudden there's a speedboat. Speedboat comes by. They're like, we're here to save you. He goes, no, 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 no need. My God will save me. 
And so the guy goes on the top floor, top of his house. There's a helicopter that flies by. And the ladder's out there. And they're like, jump on the ladder. And he's like, no, no, no. No, thanks. I I got a God, and my God will save me. Anyway, the guy drowns. He goes to heaven, and um, he's talking to Jesus. Or he's talking to the Lord. And uh, he goes, what the heck happened, God? (laughs) He goes, I thought you were going to save me. He goes, what did you think? I sent a paramedic, a speedboat, and a helicopter. You just didn't see the signs. So the difference is, the reason I said that is, if you're going to eat fast food every day and say, God will keep me alive, that's wrong. You can't Absolutely. just, if you're going to speed and go 90 miles an hour on the highway and think God's going to keep you safe, some of it's our responsibility. For sure. And I think a lot of times people go back to religion or this or that, and they say, that's just not, and no, 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 you got to give it, God is not going to provide for you if you won't try to provide for yourself. Well, we have free will for a reason. We get to choose. You know, we, we get to choose, we, we get to make decisions every single day that compound into, you know, whatever it is that we are as people. So you're absolutely right. And I actually love that story, man. It's one of my favorite stories. I love stories like that. Actually, that was actually a really funny story when I read it, you know what I mean? But yeah, well, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of a joke. And it's, it's kind of odd because, you know, that the guy actually passed away and, you know, and it turned out to be a really funny story, but I get the reference and I receive it. So the last thing, Carlos, is we talked about a lot of stuff. I want to give you a few minutes. In general, there's anywhere from thirty to 40,000 downloads a month of this podcast. Wow. Uh, when did you start this thing, man? I started it four years ago, so it's get, gained a lot of traction. It's wow. a fun podcast. There's, we try to give as much as we can. I've had people call me and they said, I finally get to go to my daughter's soccer games. I finally got a better relationship with my wife. I've finally been able to build a business that supports our family. So if you could give somebody a piece of advice that is listening right now to the audience out there, what would you tell them? And I'll let you finish up with however long you need. Well, first and foremost, I would say this as humans, as entrepreneurs, we neglect a lot of things in our lives because we feel like we have to, right? At some point, I remember the first three to five years of building my organization. I neglected my health. I didn't know what anxiety was until 2017. I fell into deep anxiety and depression in, in Labor Day weekend of 2017. Because when I started in 2014 building this empire, I neglected my health. It was like, I felt that if I didn't work every day towards building this thing, I was losing. So food and you know nutrition and, and exercise and blah, 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 blah. I didn't take care of myself. And then I ended up, all that stress ended up catching up to me at some point. So one, do not neglect your health. Two, do not neglect those that love you for anything. Because you know what? Money comes, money goes. Businesses come, businesses go. Economies come, they go. But the people around you should never have to suffer due to your lack of. Okay? And I want every entrepreneur out there that's listening or you know, every employee out there, don't make excuses for yourself. You know, set your priorities. This is an old saying that I, I've learned over the past couple of years. It's like, show me your schedule and I'll tell you what your priorities are. I schedule my family time ahead of time. Show me your schedule and I will tell you what your priorities are. So don't give me that BS about my family is my why. My family is blah, blah, blah. And you don't even have them on the schedule. You don't have your daughter's soccer practice on the schedule. You don't have your wife's date night on your schedule. You don't have you bringing flowers every Friday to your wife and your daughters on the schedule. You don't have that vacation 
brother, if I were to show you, right, if I were to share like my stuff with you as far as, yeah, I'm going to go into my calendar, right? Like I'll go into my calendar right now. And if, if you look at from 6 to 8 p.m., I have something called family time. It's on my schedule. Now, if you go to July 5th all the way to the 12th, I have family vacation from the 5th to the 12th. I schedule my time with my family or else there's not intentional. So I want people out there, listen, you can be the greatest entrepreneur and businessman, whatever, but the opinions that matter the most to me are the opinions of my wife, my children, and my mother. That's it. Outside of that, it's just a bonus. So those are my last words for people. You know, Carlos, I love that. I want to go one step deeper with what you said is, you know, and I've got, I've got a lot of things like that. Read a book, work out. I've got a trainer that comes into here and, and trains me. I, I got rid of all the excuses. I didn't like to go to the gym. I didn't want to go to the trainer. Make him come here. I can't run and hide. He's here. I've got shorts. We're going to go do this. Keeps you accountable. All right. And you, you have the money and money equals freedom. A lot of people yeah. don't understand that. So, yes. right? and, yeah. and so I'm working on a, a cook here to make me meals. But what I wanted to say is family time is amazing. But for me, that wouldn't be good enough. And here's why, because I'm, I need to put, this is what you're going to do. And I would put movie. Here's the movie. And I would put a more because I'm the type of guy that says family time. Hey, I'm on a phone call. The family's right here. But is that truly family time? That's, so not, would, that's definitely not quality time for sure. Quality time. So what I would do, this is me knowing myself, is I would put from this time, this time, it's date night with daddy. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a tea party. I love um, we're going to build the dollhouse. But those are I the ways it. that I keep myself. And here's what needs to happen is they need to know that. And they need to know and expect it because otherwise I can get out of it. And I know I've got two people in my brain. I've got this great guy with all these good intentions. Then I got this other guy that's saying, no, do this, get this done, do this, do this. Yep. And, and yep. there's two voices. So I try to trap this guy out of it and go, hey, yeah. dude, you can't get out of this workout. Dude, you can't eat that shit because you set this up. I know what he's going to say. And I got I to gotta outwit the devil. I got to literally outwit myself. Yeah. And that's exactly it. So, Carlos, you're a role model. I definitely recommend you guys reach out. Look at what Carlos has put out there. He's putting out good vibes all the time. You've got some Facebook page. Where's the best about to catch you on Facebook? Carlos Reyes. But again, Instagram's probably where I'm very active on Instagram. Okay, um, Instagram is where it's at, guys. Yeah, Carlos Reyes. And, Carlos uh, Reyes. It's so one thing that I've, before we, you know, let, yeah, I, I let go here. I used to do about 100 pieces of content across all platforms. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to step up 200. Now I'm at 300 pieces of content across all platforms. Now I have an entire team behind me that helps me put my thoughts and my emotions on social media across Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter. I mean, everywhere, right? YouTube. So again, if I can challenge myself to do what you just said, be intentional with my time, spending the time with my family, et cetera, the, the people that matter. I got 31 companies now. I didn't want to interrupt you when you said 27, but we built a couple of softwares that already launched this past uh, 60 days. We have 31 companies now, right? There's no excuse. There's no justifications. And this is the thing. I'm going to leave people with this. One of my coaches, right? Tanya Oliver from out in Florida. 
she used to tell me this like back in like October, November when we started coaching. Cause I was like, I can't meditate. No, I, I can't do it. I, I don't want to wake up at six and meditate at six 30. Breathing meditation, all that. I do that every day now, like clockwork. It's like brushing my teeth now. But she used to say, Carlos, if you fight for your limitations, guess what? I said, what, what's going on? Tony? You get to keep them. I was like, oh man, right? That changed everything for me. I'm like, I'm not going to fight for my limitations. I'm not going to fight for my limitations. So I want just people out there to really comprehend that. Stop fighting for your limitations, because if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. So that's, a, that's really, I agree. I agree with that. Carlos. Yes. It's just, it's hard not to keep going because there's so much. Good <laughs> stuff. Uh, I really appreciate you joining today. Thank uh, you, brother. Killer. Thank you for and, having and I do. Me. Listen to that. Ladies and gentlemen, do not fight for your limitations. I love that. So you uh, get to keep them. You get to keep them. Thanks, Thank Carlos. You, I appreciate you, brother. God bless you, bro. I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Hey, guys, I just wanted to thank you real quick for listening to the podcast. From the bottom of my heart, it means a lot to me, and I hope you're getting as much as I am out of this podcast. Our goal is to enrich your lives and enrich your businesses and your internal customers, which is your staff. And if you get a chance, please, please, please subscribe. You're gonna find out all the new podcasts. You're gonna be able to ask me questions to ask the next guest coming on. And and do me a quick favor, leave a quick review. It really helps us out when you like the podcast and you leave a review, make it four or five sentences, tell us how we're doing. And I just wanted to mention real quick, we started a membership. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. You get a ton of inside look at what we're going to do to become a billion dollar company. And uh, we're just, we're, we're, we're telling everybody our secrets basically. And people say, why do you give your secrets away all the time? And I'm like, you know, the hardest part about giving away my secrets is actually trying to get people to do them. So we also create a lot of accountability within this program. So check it out. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. It's cheap. It's a monthly payment. I'm not making any money on it to be completely frank with you guys, but I think it will enrich your lives even further. So thank you once again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it.